Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. of the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. I'm on, I think, sweatshirt gray sweatshirt three of the rotation of the season for our Sunday live show. I'm doing very well. Fall has officially started, like literally has started, but also it felt like an any given Sunday type day today. So it felt very much a, oh yeah, all this stuff can happen when we watch the NFL or college football or really anything with sports related. It just was felt like one of those types of days today. First two weeks were fun. A lot of notable stuff happened this Sunday. As I was sitting there today, I was like, we're back. Like th- this yeah. was a feeling where it's like we are back and there is a yeah. lot for us to dig into. We had historically good days. We had historically bad days from some offenses, some really brutal losses from teams we thought might be among the best in the entire league. Let's start, though, with, with the game we just watched and the ending that we just watched. I don't even know what to make of Josh McDaniels deciding to kick a field goal <laughs> down Which eight one? with two and a half minutes left. It. It, it just in your mind play this out. I, I tweeted a joke about it, but think about what you're going to have to do, even if you get a stop. There's a very exactly. good chance you will likely have to go for something that is worse than a fourth and four from the opponent's eight yard line in the process of you getting the ball back and having to go down and score another touchdown. You still yeah. have to go down and score a touchdown. Nothing about that choice makes sense to kick down eight on the other team's eight-yard line on a fourth and four with two and a half minutes left in the game. I don't care how many timeouts you have. I don't even care who the other team is. I don't even care what your defense is. You have to go for it in that situation. And even if there was still a pretty big uphill climb for them to win that game, it's just an awful, awful choice in national on, on prime time and on national TV for everyone to see. Like you're saying, you have no matter what, you're going to have to get a stop. Like if you want to win that game and if you get like, say you don't get any yards on that fourth and four, the second time that Josh McDaniels on that drive in a four place sequence decided to kick a field goal rather than go for it with Devontae Adams on your team as well. And also it's not like he was biggest, having a good day and was who what, Josh Jacobs won rushing, uh, uh, rushing title last year, total yards title. Your big free agent signing was uh, Jacoby Myers. Your second round pick was a tight end. Uh, a Hunter Renfro is on a big contract. Throw the ball, like just get get that first down. That is why you pay those guys for moments like that. It's like, come on, it, it's like really you're going to trust your defense, and it's like I don't care what has happened until that point. If it's a score, go for two. If you score, okay, going for two, succeed, get a stop, trying to win. Okay, it's a score, go for two, fail. You need to get a stop to try to win. If you kick a field goal, you need to get a stop. To need a touchdown to win. It's like, why not just have it in the best circumstances? This is like what you want to do. You either pin them or you get the first down. And you have Devontae Adams on your team. Just just don't get it. Next Gen Stats uh, said that the Raiders sacrificed over 5% win probability just by choosing to kick that field goal. ESPN's model had it right around that same number, which is fourth most costly decision of the season. It's, uh, you can't do that. 
I'm surprised it's fourth. And I that probably the only reason <laughs> that it's fourth is because they had such a remote chance to win the game anyway. But yeah, uh, a, a tough choice, a tough way to win that or to end that oh. game for the Raiders. But also, if you're scared to go for two, if that's like your reasoning, you still have Devontae Adams. You're built like you're like one of the few teams to really run the old school 21 personnel. You can't like you. You don't trust yourself to pound the rock or run something off. It's just none of it makes sense. Not the identity, what they're going for here. Like, come on, I want to have some good feelings about your Raiders, and you just can't. Like, you just can't get out of your own way. All right, let's talk about some good stuff that happened today. Let's kick off the show by talking about the Miami Dolphins hanging seventy points on an NFL team today and doing it in a casual manner. Seven hundred and twenty-six yards, the second most in NFL history. Second most points in a reg- in a regular season game in NFL history, and they made it look so ridiculously easy every single time they had the ball on offense. Where do you even want to start with this performance from the Dolphins today? Uh, I mean, all those historic performances, but how they're just playing so far this season. This is it's not just like they've had pretty good performances. This is three, two outstanding, excellent, all time type of performances. Remember Week One. It was one of the highest explosive yeah. plays in recent memory. Last week against the Patriots, it's turning out to be a very good Patriots defense, like we figured. But still, they are doing creative things and scoring points and just unleashing speed. It's a reminder that the Dolphins have speed everywhere and that Mike McDaniel's create creativity applies to both the run and the pass games. And it's just – this was the most under center he's ever done since he's been with the Dolphins. They had This is the most run plays they've had. Obviously, they're, <laughs> you can kind of <laughs> pick whatever game script you want with this <laughs> that type of lead. Uh, but double their typical average of how many design runs they have. And, and honestly, some of it was like a Shanahan run game uh, that dropped acid before. Like that's kind of what it really <laughs> felt like. It was a reminder that McDaniel was the run game coordinator. It's like, oh, yeah. If you notice all those touchdowns, there's more I can get into, but just the the big theme of all of this is that the all those touchdowns, all those big plays, the one common theme of all of them was that the receivers were blocking. Mm-hmm. None of them were RPOs. They are just running straight run plays with great designs with a lot of speed, and they're just doing an excellent, excellent job of it. And the perimeter run game, especially with that speed today and all the ways that they're getting the ball on the perimeter. I mean, there so many different elements where they're in split back and they're motioning Alec Ingold out to be a lead blocker and they're getting yeah. Mostert on they get that ball in Mostert's hands so he can get on the edge. And then they're putting Mostert in jet motion to be a lead yeah. blocker on a pin pull play for Dominic Chain's touchdown. It, it, so many different ways. One, creating misdirection and confusion for the linebackers. The amount of times in this game that the Broncos linebackers either went the wrong direction or just stood in place and did absolutely nothing because of all of the eye candy was ridiculous. And against this team, like you said, if you're a step slow against this team with your new running back, both running backs that run sub four four forties, it's over because they're creating these designs that are that getting these guys out in space and out the gate in so many different ways. And that was so imp- that's what was so impressive today is that yeah. it's not just that they ran the ball well, it's that they ran the ball well with a new back we've never seen and with like <laughs> six or eight new designs we've never seen. And it's yeah. getting to a place with this offense where I cannot wait every week to open this thing up and see what we're going to get because there's a little wrinkle and there's a little new bit of evolution in the run game and the pass game weekly yeah. right now. And it is very compelling stuff happening in Miami. It's a great mystery box. It's it's the best. I mean, Waddle's out. Okay. Oh, man, that's that's tough. All right. Waddle's out. You know, it's a big weapon. They have other weapons. They find benefit in having the backup receivers in there. 
Let's have our backup receivers pin DNs over and over and get out to the edge. Okay, we don't have Waddle. We still have Tyreek Hill, and we still have these guys at running back. And, I mean, like you said, the designs, I love the one that you brought up uh, on the touchdown where uh, uh, Moser is motioning out as the lead blocker. It was so great. And then the other one, there's the end around Tay Chain. It's like an orbit motion lead blocking before Mm -hmm. he has the end around. It's like they're just – it's again, it's just all these – Great designs off the classics that you just love, and then they just crank it up to 11. Isn't the Shanahan offense, like the ones that the disciples of it, it's built built off misdirection, finesse, speed, out-angling everybody? Well, let's just, again, crank that up to 12, and and that's what this offense is doing. And we've seen it with the past, and now we're just seeing this new run game creating explosive that, that way as well. It was a little bit of a wrinkle, the, the one you're talking about with the end around or motion. There was also a Devon H chain or motion on the counter run that Mostert had for a touchdown. So it's all yeah. somewhat linked. Like it's all living in the same family, and that's why it's so difficult to defend. And in the past game today, in the first game against the Chargers, when they were using that quick out motion, it was quick out motion. Tyreek Hill would be lined up either as an H back or as the slot receiver, and he would motion out to be the number one receiver, change the number count, and he was typically taking it vertical. Today, they were using that same side of the formation motion, but instead of having it be out, it was in. So mm-hmm. now you have Tyreek Hill as the number one, who was the number two receiver, is now the number one receiver with an ocean of leverage on the outside corner, and he's running all these quick glance routes that are uncoverable. So it's yeah. not reinventing the wheel every single week. It's just a tiny spin on all of these pre-established ideas that they already have, and it's consistently yeah. allowing them to stay one step ahead of every defense that they're playing against. It's Motion speed, motion speed, motion speed, timing, motion speed. It's just like impossible to beat when it's going this fast. And even like a guy when Braxton Barrios is in there, and this is something I always bring up. And this is just, you know, as a kind of my football ID and just what I know is, oh man, how are they going to block with the receivers when they have light bodies? You don't want Braxton Barrios blocking. You know, he's a real slot guy. Okay, let's just have him motion out and it just solves your blocking issue. Just having motion out, just creates alignment and creates angles in the run game and it's just him running seven steps to the right at full speed and all of a sudden the nickel has to bump out and now they can get an inside blocking leverage and like you don't have to worry about barrios blocking now he's just kicking out to the end so now you're just you're just creating wrinkles for defenses with something that is so simple but just cranked up and it's just wonderful like like you like you said it's exciting to see every new wrinkle that they add every single week and and mike mcdaniel's just doing it at a level that, I mean, literally is the best EPA per play offense through three weeks since 2002. It, it's just, we're seeing a truly historic pace right now. And what they're doing is very, very cool. One of the things I thought was most ridiculous about this game today. I don't know if these numbers are right because some of the pressure stats can be a little bit wonky the day of. According yeah. to True Media, it says that Tua was pressured on 7% of his dropbacks today. There were zero quarterback hits for the Broncos in this game. There were zero. <laughs> He finished with a time to throw of 2.16 seconds, and there were zero quarterback hits. A lot of that is the design of the offense. It's the speed. It's creating that instant leverage for all these really fast guys. But I was also very encouraged by the performance from this version of the Dolphins' offensive line. They got Teron Armstead back. Isaiah Wynn, if you watch that first touchdown to Tyreek Hill, he's holding up one-on-one on pass protection as the left guard extremely well. And then the right side of the offensive line is playing well. Haunt, Jackson, and Connor Williams got hurt in this game, but that starting five of Armstead, Wynn, Williams, Hunt, Jackson, if they can stay healthy, that's better, way better 
than what yeah. this team has been dealing with for most of the last two years and makes me feel much better about what this could, group could look like over the long haul because one, you're holding up a pass protection and two, that five has a chance to really grind people in a way that yeah. any combination they had last year could not. And and they have athletes and they so you can do all these pulling stuff to get them out in space. You can do the screen game with these guys. And like you said, this is the better best version we've seen of them. Is it an elite unit? No. But it's more than workable, more than serviceable with a quarterback that is really navigating space in the pocket too, has always had really good pocket management. Sometimes you're like, oh, it's almost too quick. But how we're seeing him right now is, yes, getting the, rid of the ball in two seconds. But the times he's not, it's that play that I broke down on Wind the Clock to Berrios, where it's a double move that he's buying an extra half second. Mm-hmm. So he's mitigating when they, the offensive line doesn't work out for two, two and a half seconds. And on top of it, they're just scheming it perfectly. Like that, that ball is getting out so quick that, Yes, most of the time when we see an offense fail or a very high-flying offense fail, it's like, ooh, the offense line didn't hold up. There it is. That's that common issue. They have ways to manage it, even if they that baseline isn't as high, but that baseline's so high right now. The A-chain thing is so funny because they draft him in the third round, and you look at his skill set, his profile, it's, and you think, all right, I, I understand how you would potentially use a guy like this in the offense, and then yeah. right out of the gate, game one, it's exactly yeah. how you would want him to be used, and he, he flourishes. It's the exact perfect application of this dude the first time we actually get to see him for any length of time. Let's get him on the end of rounds. Let's line him up a receiver and get him get him out in space. Uh, this a chain is like I remember when this draft pick happened. I remember just being freaking out when we we're on the uh, we we're in Kansas City because I was like I didn't even think of, think this would be a possibility. It's like, but it makes so much sense. A chain is actually like he yes he has Olympic track speed. He has good vision and everything. Like he has he's like a good running back. He's just a buck eighty. That so that is where you have to man just touches. So again, they get these guys in space and just let them flourish. Let them run over an open field. Like we, we want to see these guys run. They're Olympic track caliber athletes. Let's let's get them going. So that's why. So like, thank you as a football enjoyer. Thank you, Dolphins, for letting us see the speed because speed is always fun. All right, we're actually going to flip the script a little bit today because some of the worst performances of the day were the most notable. So it's time for I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. We're still cool, man. We're still cool. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Did not expect the Cowboys to lose to the Cardinals today. That That's not one that I had on my bingo card. The Cowboys lose to an Arizona team that we all expected to be the worst team in the league coming into the game. Yeah. And they're double-digit favorites, uh, understandably so, after the way Dallas played over the first two weeks. I think justifiably, people were talking about them as potentially the best team in the league. And they had a bunch of offensive linemen hurt. But the most disappointing part about this game is that the Dallas offense didn't play great, but they played fine. A mm-hmm. Dallas defense that looked like a potentially like historic unit, like the most dominant unit in the NFL, got sliced and diced by the Arizona Cardinals offense in this game in a way that I never, ever could have anticipated. The, the Cardinals in the first half have been like really good this year. But uh, that's how I thought this game would go. Opening script. Okay, after 15-ish, 20-ish plays, they out talented as the game went along and it started to kind of feel that way but the cardinals just kind of kept hanging around like hanging and hanging around and credit i mean shout out to the cardinals coaching staff like just getting their guys in right spots every single week and just letting them flourish and nothing nothing that's reinvented the wheel just just doing it in nice ways the rondale moore touchdown i i tweeted out but that play was just a perfect example of this just using personnel using rondale moore who is a 
more gadgety type player, but very explosive. And he can take these handoffs and it's a second and two. They just get into a funky personnel grouping, four wide receivers. This Cowboys defense was, okay, let's just, hey, let's get through this play. It's second and short. All right, let's just get into cover two or cover four or whatever we in. Too high, nice and safe. Cardinals go, we know you're going to do that. We're going to hand off to Rondell Moore. Uh, line of scrimmage gets blocked, popped, touchdown. Just, I can't believe the Cowboys defense that we have been so high on just got kind of like taken two. Like just, they just got kept like page behind throughout the game. It wasn't just luck. It was big plays on third down, but just a lot of other great designs by the Cardinals staff that just the Cowboys just never had an answer to. Or when they did, the Cardinals would have some counterpunch and hit a huge play. The Cardinals that I believe had the second highest EPA per play of any team in the league after Miami. They were like right there with the Chargers. They were fantastic. They had a 51% rushing success rate. They averaged yeah. 7.4 yards per carry. They averaged 4.23 yards before contact in this Man. game. And that's some of the bigger runs that they hit, but the Still. success rate tells you they were consistently effective in this game. And I love some of the ideas. You know, they had a counter play where they brought Michael Wilson back across the formation and Yelta Froholt, their center, who we've kind of joked about the Cardinals personnel this that season. Guy. And like, can who you can, can name, can you name a guy? And so he came over from the Browns. He was a backup offensive lineman for the Browns. After Ethan Pochich got hurt last year, he was thrust into action for Cleveland. And so he's always been a backup. He comes over to Arizona because he's available, right? He's been the guy that's bounced around a little bit, but he knows the offense. He knows offensive coordinator Drew Petzing, who came from Cleveland. And he's just a guy that he had a really good day today. A lot of really nice plays in space on the Michael Wilson counterplay. He does a little slingshot technique where he gets around the linebacker and doesn't hold, but does a great job of just getting a body on him. They used a ton of pin pull stuff to get the ball on the perimeter, yeah. and yeah. they used him as a puller consistently, and he did a really good job with it. I thought that him, Humphreys, and Paris Johnson all had some really nice moments in this game for the Cardinals up front against what I think is inarguably the best, scariest defensive front in all of football. And they deserve credit yeah. for that. Like Trayvon Diggs got hurt, but no one on the defensive line, to my knowledge, is kind of banged up. So, uh, yeah, that is taking it to using it's like a judo throw. Use their own like uh, like terrorizing That's force exactly against them. exactly what it was. They let Michael yeah. Parsons get upfield in a lot of these designs. Yeah. There was a second and 11 where the Cowboys were in their 5-0 front with Micah Parsons as the spinner over the center. And the Cowboys were like, all right, we're just going to run it. <laughs> like, yeah. If you guys are going to do this, we're just going to run it. And it was a chunk yep. gain. So they yep. just had a one half step ahead consistently with the ways that they wanted to attack this Dallas team. And what I was really impressed with is that the passing game made all the sense in the world. They were getting yep. rid of the ball very quickly in the right ways. So on non-play action throws in this game, Josh Dobbs was 11 of 12 for 80 yards with a 2.36 average time to throw. So almost all of those throws are little quick hitters to the flat. And the mm -hmm. exceptions to that were when Marquise Brown was lined up against Deron Bland on the outside. They took like two or three semi-vertical shots on either comebacks or outs with Bland getting too much space. So it's like, all right, here's a backup corner. These are going to be our three or four little shots that we're taking. We're going to have one throwback to Michael Wilson, and then we're yep. going to have a well-designed smart run game. That is our plan as the Arizona Cardinals. And today it was enough. It was very impressive. Gum and toothpicks. I, I love these types of offenses. They're just, it's, you can tell every design was meticulous. They're like, they're like, we're running this play because of this. If it's not that look, we're doing this. Like just even the, the, uh, QB run game. Like they, they just sprinkled the first in there one, like, first drive. They're like, let's again, get, let's get to it. 
again, judo throw, which is use, okay, Parsons, they, they, I mean, this Dallas Cowboys defense, this is their, this is their calling card. They have their ears pinned back on every single play. All right, let's just let him get upfield and run right by him. Like we, we can't beat him. Let's just get him on the ground and let's outwork him. I, I'm just so impressed. And then on top of it, it's, you know, the Cowboys offense, like you said, they didn't have a terrible day. They had 26 first downs. They were great on third down, red zone woes. And this yeah. is, you know, something they got to answer. This is like, they got to figure out what their answer is in the red zone because you can't go one for five like this. If you can't just rely on your defense, just overwhelming the opponent, just be like, ah, eh, whatever, we'll kick field goals. Ah, eh, whatever, we'll just not get that fourth down. It's sometimes the other, other team has an answer. So you have to do your part, at least to punch it in. Any real Dallas concern after this game? Do you, do you feel like it <sighs> kind of uncovers any hidden weaknesses maybe we weren't thinking about enough before? I mean, you have your backup left tackle in there. And that kind of is like, you know, you're a little, feeling a little dicey. Backup everything. Uh, I mean, Tyron Smith right? didn't play in this game. Tyler Biotish yep. didn't play in this game. Biotish Zach Martin didn't play in this game. And you saw it. So. And I think that was a real big part of their plan on offense. Dak yep. averaged 5.2 air yards per attempt because they were trying to get rid of the ball so quickly. And there were a couple sense. big penalties from the backup offensive linemen. 13 penalties today by the yeah. Cowboys. It's, that's hard to win. It's, it doesn't matter. It's hard to win when you're doing that. And it's you're shooting yourself in the foot offensively and the team that you're yeah. playing against is doing a lot of good stuff on the other side really of the wall. The, Car- the Cardinals deserve a lot of credit for the way they play today. I-, I think that this is just one of those moments where you jump on a unit that's a lot better than you. I yep. think that we will feel the Diggs injury, even if Deron Bland is a solid yep. player. It, that's what happens when you lose a guy of his quality on the outside. But this game was a lot, a lot more than Trayvon Diggs tearing his ACL in the middle of the week. That's that's exactly it. It was it was a Cowboys team that thought they could still they can kind of just like overwhelm this opponent again. And I again a credit to this Cardinal staff, both sides of the ball. Like they have had good game plans. Last week, obviously they were they, they went up a bad second half, but the first half against the Giants and the week before that against the Commanders, they they were fighting with them and they were doing some really good stuff on defense. So again, just both sides of the ball, this Cardinals team, like keep an eye on them. Like we plenty of jokes were made about this Cardinals team, even by me. But it's like credit to them what they're doing so far with just not a lot of talent. The one thing I'd say about Dallas, a little worried about the linebackers and the depth there. They got like Marquise Bell playing dime linebacker. And I think that you can take advantage of them if you're smart in the way that you can run the football. The game script is in your favor. Yep. I I think that there are certain moments where it's like, okay, if we can really lean into this and we keep the game within shouting distance and we aren't forced to drop back and throw the ball, is this a way that we can kind of chip away at this unit? I'll say this just to end it is that the – that sounds like like what you're laying out. It's like, yes, it has to be a positive game script against the Cowboys. But yes, in most weeks, that's going to be enough. Like the Cowboys will have too much talent and are so good on both sides of the ball. But once it comes into crunch time, once you get into the playoffs, that's what matters. Totally. Is that you can't you can't have this. <laughs> so you have to have the ways to win and have all these ways to like, yes, keep other teams out of positive game scripts like this. Let's get to our next one here. Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed that you lost by 20 to the Texans today. After we broke you down, too, under and the hood and so everything. It it would be so easy after we did that under the hood segment about the Jags on our Friday preview show. And we said, ah, they'll probably be fine. You know, their offense is one, two, three, four small, small plays away. You think back to all of those miss, slight missed opportunities against the Chiefs in the red zone, et cetera. It, it's not like they're very far away. I still feel like that was the right thing to say after watching so this game. It, this What happened today against the Texans was such a maddening combination of self-inflicted mistakes 
and just poor play in very specific areas. I want to just talk you through a couple sequences here that, to me, kind of exemplify what the Jags were today. On the first drive of the game, they get Calvin Ridley in the slot against a linebacker one-on-one. He drops a touchdown pass. Mm -hmm. The next play, Tim Jones can't get his feet inbounds on a third and nine dime from Trevor Lawrence, and then Brandon McManus misses a field goal. On the ensuing drive, it's second and nine, with 12.44 left in the second quarter, I believe. Calvin Ridley drops a ball over the middle of the field. They, the field goal on that drive is blocked. Mm-hmm. There's a fourth and two completion to Calvin Ridley at one point, and a legal hands of the face penalty wipes that off. Jamal Agnew on a third and 10 completion in Texas ter- Texans territory fumbles late in the second quarter. Too much Agnew. That, that, that's, that's, you, we can absolutely <laughs> say that. After cutting the lead to 17 to 10, the Jags pooch a a kickoff. Unbelievable sequence here. Where McManus kind of misses it. Andrew Beck, who I believe is his name, is fielding the punt. He's a fullback tight end. A fullback. That's all you need to know. He's a fullback tight end. Wearing a 40 number. He's wearing number 47. It's the most embarrassing thing that can happen to you. I think 47 or 46. Doesn't matter. He bobbles the kickoff at the 10 yard line. His bobbling it sends the Jags out of their rush lanes on the kickoff. It has three or four guys slow down. He manages to corral it enough to then return the kickoff for a touchdown. They lose their – do you remember the water – I I love this tirade. But do you remember the water boy when um, Mr. Coach Klein is watching film (laughs) and (laughs) he's watching film and it's like when he first meets Bobby Boucher, he walks in. He's like, oh, you know, he has time to dust it off. And oh, oh, drops the ball again. He has no time. And none of our guys have any idea what's going on. And he just walks in for a score. That's that's what that felt like. That's what the God. voiceover was needed for that play. It was just it was maddening. If if I were a Jags fan, I'd be losing my mind right now. So that and then you have another bad, you know, a couple more bad turnovers in this game. There are elements that were actually bad play. And I think the most frustrating part about this performance from a Jaguars perspective was not the offense, was not their inability to score points. And people are like, oh, the offense is a mess. What's wrong with the Jags offense? Again, same old, same old shit. They had four more drops in this game. They had a fumble while they were driving. It's not like the offense is some train wreck right now. Like they're moving the ball consistently enough. They had like a 43% success rate today. On defense, there were some things today that were really troubling. Their inability to get after C.J. Stroud in this game after he was sacked 11 times over the first two weeks was absolutely brutal. The Texans had one-fifth of their preseason starting offensive line playing in this game. One-fifth. That was it. Shaq Mason was the only one. 20%. Backup left tackle, backup left guard, backup center, backup right tackle. In this game, the Jags managed four quarterback hits and zero sacks. Again, I would like to remind you, that C.J. Stroud was sacked 11 times in the Texans' first two games. And it wasn't like just all quick game and screens, too. No! It was like real big boy throws and deep stuff going on, and they still couldn't get any pressure. They did such a good job, the Texans did, and we can talk about Stroud's performance here in a second because he deserves it. They were 10 of 13, Houston was, for 140 yards while the Jaguars were in base. When they were trotting out heavy personnel in this game, the Jags had absolutely no answer, and the pass rush was toothless no matter what sort of personnel package that they were in. Oh, man. That's exactly their issue last year. It's like once you got into those heavy bodies, they had nothing. They had no juice. They're basic. That was another thing, too, is you can make them very basic on defense and thus dissectable uh, by a rookie quarterback in his third start. Uh, you mentioned the fumbles. The I just want to mention one more kind of offensive 
kind of detail that that sometimes makes this Jaguars offense so maddening at times, but so brilliant in other ways and so explosive. Uh, the third and seven interception with uh, Trevor uh, from by Trevor. Um, the Texans bring a blitz on that play. So they bring five, but the offensive line actually sorts it out where the running back, Dearness Johnson, can get out. But because he takes so long to get out and he's not sure whether to block and he tries to chip help, even though they're running twists, he should be getting out of the route. Because he takes so long, the linebacker is not threatened by him underneath. So he just it. drifts, he just drifts back and gets under it. So again, when you're playing a backup, backup offensive lineman, and I like Dearness Johnson, I think we both do, but it's like that little lack of detail, just that little bit. Just that little half second, again, game of inches, any given Sunday. It's like that's the difference of, yes, Trevor Lawrence is pushing the ball. He should get to the underneath route. Yes, by rule. But he's getting heated up. He's getting pressured. I don't have time to check it down. So it's just that little detail that leads to these you know, monumentally game-swinging plays. And that was right after the return by the fullback. So it's just boom, boom. <laughs> just those two plays. The disdain in your voice with the fullback. The, full the return the by the fullback. Back. Oh, I thought it was a long snapper at first. I was like, what is this guy? It's like, I don't think, because I don't think he was a glove wearer. When you have no <laughs> sleeves, no gloves, that's a fullback. That's the Hendrickson. Uh, so that, or that's the long snapper, I should say. That's the Hendrickson. So yeah. But, uh, uh, but no, it was just like, just that little lack of detail. Again, just the third down. Sometimes I think they're trying to do too much sometimes in the red zone. And then that just causes some miscues. I think guys' heads are popping a little bit. Um, I don't know what's going on with the play calling either. Like Doug Peterson, like kind of was like hinting at stuff in the second half about the second half play calling. So we'll just see. But again, I think I kind of echo your statements is that down to down basis, I feel pretty good about this Jacks offense still somehow. It's but easier they just to got feel good about them with the division. If this oh, if they were in a different division and they were already oh, two games East back of some really oh. good team, then I think panic mode would be more than justified. Yeah. But them playing in the South and them still being the best offense in the South over the course of the season, most likely, I wouldn't be smashing the panic button yet. But they are extremely frustrating. And this was just yeah. another entry into that. I told you, I mean, those are like the four sequences that explain the game. That That's all you need to know yep. about what this team is enduring right now on offense. It's just not fun. And I, if I were a, team, a fan of this team, I'd be slamming my head against the wall. That being said, and one, one more thing. Anton Harrison, their right tackle, left this game with an injury. They, they can't afford more injuries along no. the offensive line no, or any sort of deficiencies along the offensive line because they're already not playing that great. All that being said about the Jags. The Texans deserve a lot of credit here, mm-hmm. and we should talk about the way that C.J. Stroud is playing because he's been really productive over his first three games, and today was another really good performance from him against the Jaguars' defense that, even if they have some deficiencies and some holes, mm-hmm. the first two weeks of the season, they had been, play- been playing pretty darn good, and now you have a really, really good day from C.J. against that team. It's it's one thing one thing about CJ Stroud even in college it's they so cool calm and collected and it's one thing to do it at Ohio State with all stars and all future all pros and first round picks everywhere including Paris Johnson we just mentioned about up front uh, it's both of his starting have- tackles are starting for NFL teams right now yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and then the guard is probably going to be a day two guard. Yeah, all this, and then of course the receivers. But then seeing him with backup offensive linemen. You know, and yes, they didn't get a lot of pressure today, but that's because of Stroud's ability to get rid of the ball, to push the ball while getting rid of it quickly, and also to have already advanced pocket movement. It's cool to see the flashes or the stuff that he showed on tape in college, and he's already kind of doing it through three weeks. Uh, I checked out the Colts game last week at the All-22 of that, and he made at least a half dozen real, real 
like encouraging throws, like real, like this is like, oh, this guy has a lot to him throws. A lot of quick, he, he's really good at throwing in breakers. Today, he hit a beautiful comeback, like uh, out comeback route to uh, Robert Woods. One that he progressed on and it was in a tight pocket that he moved in. He's thrown, you know, like I said before, in breakers, deep digs. He's pushing the ball, plenty of arm strength. Uh, just, he is exactly, if you're a Texans fan or part of the Texans organization, you're like, this is exactly what we wanted. Yes. Like th- he's showing everything that you know his, is his baseline already. And it's not just flashes. I think that's so, so encouraging so far. I love the mix of stuff too. They're getting him out of the pocket. It feels like the right amount of play action. He was yeah. really good on play action today. Five of eight for 95 yards. They were, they were all productive plays. I, I thought some of those boots designs and just getting him on the move was really useful and worked really yeah. well. And then there was a couple plays. I think it was back to back snaps in the, I want to say it was in the second quarter. The Jags brought cover zero blitzes. Mm-hmm. And so he hit Tank Dell on the first one. And then he hit Brevin Jordan on the touchdown. And they were both cover zero. And him operating that quickly and getting the yeah. ball out in both of those situations. Again, so when teams are blitzing and he's actually having to play quarterback, a lot of encouraging stuff. And within the structure of this offense, which yes. I've enjoyed watching. I think that Bobby Sloak's actually done a pretty good job over these first few games. Both versions of that type of – both versions of quarterback – he's looked good in. And I think that's yeah. really encouraging stuff. Totally agree. Everything seems very sustainable, what he's doing, because it's all on time. It's all within, like you're saying, within the confines of the offense. And I mean, I know one of the concerns about him was like, how would he create and everything? What he's shown so far off platform, I always thought he was a good thrower off platform, like on sprint outs and stuff. But what he's done so far, and even flashes of near misses that he's thrown off platform, it's like, God, he's already getting to that and having confidence to kind of do some trick shots and everything. Like that, that's where you're going to, like, you're going to see real growth is where you can see some more of those highlight throws outside just the box score that he put up today. And using his legs just enough, J- just enough yeah. that, that, that threat is just he's enough. He's a smart scrambler. That's yep. what he is. He's a and smart mover. They're getting him on the edge often enough where he's going to have the opportunity to do that when the yeah. opportunity presents itself. So it's been really fun to watch uh, before we move on. I don't even know what to say about uh, the Chicago Bears' performance today and about oh, everything associated with that game. We, we could spend 30 seconds on this, but I feel like I needed to address it. I, I can't remember being more embarrassed during a Bears game than, than I was during that one. It, that was, the the, the oh, Taylor that Swift rough. element of it, the them at some point in the broadcast, Olsen and Burkhart having to get like deep into the Derek Jeter-Patrick Mahomes relationship because the game had devolved that badly. It, it yeah. was... In the, a decade full of horrifying Bears games, this this was right up there near the top just because of wow. all the ridiculous circus shit that was happening around it. It seriously was. I mean, they were completely were outclassed in every single way. And I understand it's on the road against the Chiefs, but for you to feel this far away from being a competitive NFL team, and I know that they were super banged up, whether it's on the offensive line or in the secondary, whatever, but... It was a horrifying performance and a horrifying three hours. I, I almost didn't even want to engage in it. I felt like I was going back and rewatching the Dolphins game instead of watching the fourth quarter of that game because I couldn't deal with it anymore. I mean, when there's only three games on the afternoon slate, too. So, so many so many eyeballs on it. It's oh, tough. It, it was the commentary turned into like a baseball game when it's a blowout in August. That's what it felt like. It did. It, 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 it did. was like a July 13th. Pirates game where they're down by 20 runs. I don't know why I picked the Pirates, but that, that's kind yeah, of what it felt like. I don't know why I picked the Pirates. <laughs> uh, but it's, it, I mean, the Chiefs felt like it felt like a homecoming game in high school. 
like where it's like, okay, let's just let's just get get up, we're up thirty in the first half. We can take everybody out. It was like a Taylor sure. Swift song. That's what it, that's what yeah. it was. Mahomes was making sure to feed her boyfriend. Like it was like just like it was hilarious how much his eyeballs were just going to him. I mean, I know he does anyways, but it was like it felt he was like I'm going to make sure he gets one today. <laughs> just you know how embarrassing that is when you're what getting aesthetic man. touchdowns because yeah. the tight end's boy girlfriend is in the stands and in the box in the NFL in a in a real life NFL game. Did she score twenty points in less than three minutes? That was. There's just, there's just that was, nothing else to say about it. The Bears going up against the Broncos next week. Anything is on the table in that game. Anything. Oh goodness, I and I know we said coming into this game that the Broncos and their timeline, it's like, yeah, whatever. Sean Payton's making $25 million a year. He'll be here as long as he wants. They don't need to win this year. It could be better than this. <laughs> right. It could be better right. than it looked today. I would be at least a little bit worried if things keep devolving in this sort of direction, no matter what the ultimate timeline looks like for them. Man, the, so those two teams combined gave up more than 100 points. Now they're playing against each other. It's great timing. Absolutely love it's it. It's awesome. I mean, th- there was two Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals type games today. Yeah, that's, like, that's the exact the, energy that it had. It was an NFL game. The Cardinals beat the Cowboys today. And the and the Bears felt like the Globetrotters playing against the Chiefs. That's all you need to know about how my <laughs> afternoon di- went. Ten different Chiefs recorded a first down today. That was like, it was honestly, I'm sorry. I, it just, it was remarkable to go through because the game switched off locally. You know how hard it is to like switch off when Taylor Swift is like a featured attraction to like Patrick Dave Holmes. We have to go away from this. Taylor Patrick Swift. And they're like, yeah, we're good actually. Sorry. We're good. Travis Kelsey's in 40 commercials. And we're like, yeah, no, we're good. 31 first downs by the chief. 10 for 14 on third down. Sorry. Just I just have to, to a list Cardinals game. That, that's yeah. the game they switched to. They went from Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift to Josh Dobbs and whoever and Yelta Froholz and whoever else the Cardinals are trotting out there. first round pick was an offensive lineman. Like they, they have nothing. Oh, what a day. That was the Mountain Dew Camacho of games. I don't know. I, if this keeps going like this, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's just I, I don't know if I can endure this every single week, but I don't have a choice. I have to watch them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month 
trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get to you have my attention. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. The Buffalo Bills, you have my attention. Goodness gracious, did they beat the shit out of the Washington football team today? (laughs) We had so much to say about Washington. That was so aggressive, but that's exactly what it felt like. (laughs) I mean, what what else is there to say? Oh, next gen stats. Sam Howell was pressured on 69% of his dropbacks today, which nice. is the highest rate in the next gen era. He was sacked God. nine times. Uh, what what else is up, there to I say? Up, I was looking up sack records like in the in the first half. I was like, oh, I was looking at the pro football reference, like most sacks through three games. I was trying like Josh McCall was up there, so that kind of ruined it for me. And part of uh, that was him holding on to the ball. We talked about that even with our tepid excitement about Washington's offense that we discussed earlier in the week. He is one to hold on to the ball and eat some sacks. But yep. that was not the only problem. <laughs> the front no. for Buffalo got after them every single way you could imagine. And it was combined with just real veteran play on the back end. Like that Micah yeah. Hyde interception, he triggers so fast on that route to the flat. Tredavious White doesn't take the cheese for a single moment on that out and up where he picks that ball off. It, it was a real complete performance from a Bills defense that, you know, I think we're excited about, but really yeah. did take it to a Washington offense that had been playing pretty well for the first couple weeks of the season. I was curious if the Bills defense could hold the fort until reinforcements came, i.e. Von Miller, and and wait until he comes around. I mean, this is – no, this was being – more than holding the fort. This was being the attacker. This was – like you said, I loved how you just described it, that veteran like kind of coverage play. That's what – even the Trey White play in the the end zone felt like a veteran play. But that squeezing anaconda Bills coverage along with the defensive hockey – rotations going on uh, on the defensive line and they i mean they just got after him. 15 qb hits yeah. 10 tfls uh five p- p- passes deflected and it's just that it was what we know it was like a classic like bill's defensive performance and really like almost a classic overall the offense had some ups and downs that commander's defense is legit and they had some ups and downs and it's josh allen Magic plays sprinkled in, throws and runs, and this was the classic it. Bills formula. I love the formula on offense. So I, yep. I totally, I'm it's classic with you. Coke. the The defense was fantastic in that exact way. And you know what was encouraging is it was a classic Bills defensive performance with splash moments from new faces. That's how yeah. you sustain being really good in the NFL. We know yes. Micah Hyde, we know Jordan Poyer, we know Trey White, we know Ed Oliver, we know Greg Rousseau, even if they're on the little bit on the younger side. But for Terrell Bernard to have as many splash plays as yes, he did in this game. Call. And then Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd had back, yeah. back-to-back sacks. One was a coverage sack, but one was a nasty ghost rush that he got home on. So that's what's cool to see is that we know a lot of these guys, but some of the newcomers also contributed to this. And the formula on offense was awesome. It, it was such a <laughs> Last great two weeks. It was such a great combination yep. of everything you want the Bills to be. Yep. The run game is they didn't run the ball extremely efficiently in this game. But they could lean on it. They got enough mm-hmm. out of it. Couple shot plays. That touchdown throw to Gabe Davis is absolutely oh, gorgeous. Tremendous. And that's those are the types of shots you want to see them take. Like when you're built like Josh Allen, you want to take those shots. You just don't want it to be the entirety of the offense. 
And I thought the offensive line was awesome in this game. Josh Allen mitigates it, right? He does a very good job of getting out of pressure. But even when you take that into account, he was hit one time in this game against that Washington line. Was not sacked, was hit one time in this game. That's ridiculous. And that group, I thought that group played well, even with him kind of erasing some of the smaller mistakes in those moments. This offense that we wanted to see from Buffalo, where they can run the ball efficiently when they need to, they can hold up and pass protection. This was it against one of the top 10 defenses in the league. I think you can say pretty comfortably. Yep. And they're, 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 their additions on offense too, like Osiris Torrance. It was like, he's already looked the part. He's exactly, yeah. okay, yes, it's a, it's a guard and everything, but they Both can guards. just have a nice, yeah, really. They just have a nice steadying presence on the offense. And uh, yeah, the, the run game that they showed, especially last week against the Raiders, which was, it's just, it's getting more expansive. They're figuring out the when when to use it, when to lean on it, when to let Josh go, when to rein him back in and like get more of that steady run presence. And even having just like it's pretty funny, like Latavius Murray and Damian Harris both had the exact same like attempts, yards, and like long. I think they were like three for fifteen, both had a long of nine, something funny like that. But that's exactly what that's their right. role that is. That sounds right. Yeah, and like it's like that's what they they're just the jabs, just boom, 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 boom. Okay, James Cook, you get the explosive plays. Josh Allen, you get the explosive plays. When you're playing a top tier defense like this, a top top tier is you need the explosives. You can't go toe to toe with with them, so you need to live off that way and just do enough to keep your baseline but high. They're always gonna come. They're always gonna oh, come when this he's offense. your quarterback, and I think yes. that's that's the best part about this is that trust so that they're good. going to come. You don't yeah. have to pu- you don't have to stretch yourself. You don't have to put yourself in bad spots as you hunt them. Yep. Over the course of the game, within the rhythm of the game, they are going to present themselves. Whether it's that shot to Gabe Davis, the play on the first drive of the game. I think it's third down. They glove it up. When he, he extends outside to outside the pocket to the right. Yep. Diggs takes it vertical. He hits him for a huge chunk gain. Yep. Those are going to happen when this guy is your quarterback. Yes. Not getting too far ahead of yourself and stressing to make them happen. That's the version of this team I want to see. And that's the version we've seen over the last two weeks. It's just that now they've won two in two different ways. Last week was a balanced game. This was the classic formula. It's so nice because they have that Kaiju at QB. So it's like, like you say, they always have that. So it's just, let's have the other baselines be high. It's, it was awesome. I mean, honestly, it's like, this was felt very, what you want to see a bills team do against an overwhelmed opponent. Guess who they get next week? Oh, yeah. Dolphins, right? Bill's Dolphins next week. Ah, that is going to be what we're doing Thursday. I am pumped about that one. Can't wait. Can't keep wait. it rolling here. Brian Branch and the Detroit Lions defense. You have my attention. What a performance from him and from that unit overall. I mean, that Falcons run game was really grinding people down over the first couple weeks. They do so much good stuff. It's well-designed. Bijan looks like an absolute superstar, and the Lions took it to them today. Oh, my goodness. They, this, uh, it's a failure. I, I want to take ownership of this. This is a failure on my part. We spent 16 <laughs> freaking minutes on this game. And <laughs> eye tests and stats show that the Lions' run defense was improved. It was more like middle of the pack, slightly above average. And in 60 minutes, I never even gave it a sentence. But I was like, that's on me. It was in the notes. You can't predict and the way that they played today. You, you're not, you but can't predict was... three TFLs from the nickel corner when you're talking about oh. a team's run defense. Brian Branch is sick, but the the Falcons were only successful on three of 19 designed runs. This was the third worst run game by success rate under Arthur Smith since he's been with the Falcons. The other two were with Matt Ryan. So this was the worst post Matt Ryan 
like rushing game. You can't, they can't win that way. So that, that's exactly what it felt like. This was the second best Lions run defense game that they've had since Dan Campbell's gotten there. The worst, the best was against the Vikings last year. So they just kicked their ass. Uh, absolutely just kicked their ass. Alan McNeil just looked amazing. A run and pass. It, they was, they were hard hitting. They were on top of their stuff. They just squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. And the Falcons couldn't get anything going. Negative 0.75 yards, an average of negative 0.75 yards before contact per rush. So on average, the Falcons were getting hit in the backfield every time they ran the ball today. against this run game. That that is remarkable. That is that is Pedro Martinez pitching in the late '90s steroid era. <laughs> that's that's what that felt. That's what that feels like. Just like not only good against anybody, that's good against this team especially. What was so cool was seeing everybody get involved. Branch obviously yeah. had five splash plays in this game. He had three TFLs. He had multiple pass breakups. He was everywhere. Uh, that guy is very exciting, and I cannot wait to continue watching him. So cool. But it wasn't just him. Alex Anzalone on the first drive plants Tyler Algier in the flat. Branch has a couple blow-up plays. Melifonwu had a really nice play on a screen. There were back-to-back plays in the second half where Tracy Walker crashes hard on a play from like a quarter safety look. And on the yeah. next play, Melifone was kind of sitting in the hole. He makes a really nice play. Jerry Jacobs had a couple really nice plays against the run out on the perimeter. This Falcons team wants to eat against your corners. They yep. want to get those guys isolated and they want to take advantage of those matchups. And the Lions throughout this entire game did not let their DBs get taken advantage of in the run game. And that says a lot about what that group is and how it's built. Yeah, it is. And with they, backups they, in there, they got backup tight. Back, they got backup safeties, backup they, corners. I mean, it's it a really they're down. They're going man, man coverage and just taking it to them. They, I mean, that is like it's, it's a Falcons team that wants. Yes, there's some smoke and mirrors with the offense, but they want to bully you. They just want to wear you out. Kevin McGarry is the right tackle. That, that, that that's all you need to know about how this Falcon team wants wants to win. And yes, this Lions team under Dan Campbell, they have that identity too. But it's just it was really cool to see their defense have. Really just like just the entire game, they're like, yeah, they they controlled it. And this is now three games that they've had some good performances, or at least, I mean, the Seahawks game was a little up and down. Uh, maybe not uh, good overall, but they're showing different looks. Like against the Chiefs, they showed different fronts. So now they're showing kind of different schematic elements, as well as playing hard, as well as playing aggressive. And it's cool to see just some of these new faces for their team step up, and even when they had injuries and everything. A little bit worried about what the Falcons offense is going to look like when they're forced to play left-handed. This was a troubling entry into that conversation for Atlanta's offense moving forward, at least to me. Oh, yeah. This is a – I I wanted to do a segment called This Is My Nightmare uh, from I Love You Man where he gets hit. (laughs) Matt Walsh gets hit. Or no, no, sorry. uh, Jason Siegel gets hit and goes, this is my nightmare uh, because that is exactly what this Falcons game is. Negative game script, having to drop back, throw the ball 40-something times or whatever it is, how many dropbacks it was. That is – they can't win this way. Their run game has to be what we think it could be, and that's why it is – I'm excited about this Falcons offense and the defense is improved, but it's like seeing it like this and seeing all these misses and these guys are supposed to be and out excuse me. Ritter sprayed some throws today. The fourth down was brutal. You need need to hit that. Has to hit it. Has to hit it. He has the third. So it's pretty frustrating. The drive before he hits Johnny Smith on one and I think Kyle Pitts on another. No, no. I'm sorry. Matt Collins on another. Both hits him in the hands, but then the Lions do such a good job of blowing him up. So it's like he has two good throws, and then the fourth down he gets it. It's like, oh, there it is, wide open curl out, to, curl route to Drake London. I could see it unfolding on on the TV. Boom, five yards over his head. It's like you can't, you can't do it. You can't do it. If you're only going to throw the ball, you have really six big throws you have to make in a game. You can't miss all six. You have to make all six, especially this offense. 
talent that they have, I, they're very well coached on that side of the ball. And I think the defense is going to be pretty solid. I mean, the Lions yeah. had some fits and starts on that side of the ball today, and the Lions offense is pretty darn good. So still feel like the Falcons are going to be very relevant over the course of the yeah. entire season. But this was not a good data point for what this offense looks like when they're forced into an uncomfortable situation. We said they're a bad team beater, and the Lions were definitely not a bad team today. They yeah. they, they executed very, very well. And we only got one of these today, but let's get to We See You. Typically, a lot of our other entries into this, we've already talked about or will talk about here in a second. The one guy I wanted to bring up and the unit that he plays for, Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns defense. Just another ridiculous performance today. He had three and a half sacks. That does no justice for what sort of impact he had on the game. He also had a TFL early on in the game. He drew a holding penalty. He had a forced fumble on a negative seven-yard scoring drive by the Titans that only happened because <laughs> they gave the ball away. It was so the Browns had not faced a play in the red zone this year in the first two games. The first play they faced in is the that, red zone. Is that true? Yeah. They, have a fa- they had not faced a play in the red zone in the two games. The, awesome. the first play that they faced in the red zone, they only did because they turned the ball over and gave them the ball back. They only were in the red zone for one game or for one play because all the other plays went backwards. That's unbelievable. They, this defense, what's, what's, isn't their success rate like almost so 77% they are, right So now? we talked about it coming into the season. The yeah. They were like 78%. It has not changed at all. Their success rate today was like 77%. They have led the league in success rate in each of the first three weeks. The yeah. best three games by success rate by defenses in the NFL this year are the three Browns games that we've seen. <laughs> so... Dal- do we have a Dolphins Brown matchup? Uh, Browns matchup this oh, year? My God, oh my I hope goodness! So. Oh man, that's like now just being circled now. Oh, they look ridiculous uh, on that side of the ball. And Miles Garrett is a huge part of that. That we don't, unfortunately. That's a real bummer. I really would have liked to have seen that game. Yeah, Miles Garrett looks ridiculous. The, the, we yeah. talked about this in our preseason predictions pod when we were doing awards. I picked Miles or Michael Parsons to win Defensive Player of the Year. So did you. Michael Parsons is also playing at a crazy high level. But we both mentioned Miles Garrett because mm-hmm. we thought this could be the year with more help with a new defensive yes. coordinator that we kind of finally see what Miles Garrett is. Yeah, we're seeing it. Yeah. Th- th- this is what is unfolding in front of us with the Browns defense. It's it, it's the fourth down closure play against Joe Burrow and the Bengals to just shut the door in the game, and then this game you can see not only him just dominating Andre Dillard over and over and over, but it's. Okay, you can create five one-on-ones, and we talk about five O's all the time and say, ooh, you got one-on-ones. You have to win. You have to have somebody that can actually win, and it helps if you have multiple guys that can win. Uh, look at the uh, the Rams a couple of years ago. But and also they do, look by at, the way. They yeah, do. And look, and look at the – if you want to see a defense that doesn't win, that tries to create five one-on-ones, look at what happened to the Giants on Thursday night. That's what happens. You just get absolutely shredded. And right here, so not only is Miles Garrett uh, winning, this was his – the example I want to bring up, I believe it, it was his last sack, but it was sack, but it was the f- f- which one? Uh, but it's the end of the fourth quarter. I'm sorry, uh, third quarter. Garrett wins. Tannehill steps up, but Zadarius Smith also wins. Yep. So Tannehill has to slide back, and because Garrett's already winning, winning and keeps working, he gets the sack. Back in the old Browns days of once Miles Garrett's been there, he would have won. Quarterback would have stepped up. Quarterback would have launched the ball first down. When someone else wins or at least creates pressure or blows the offensive lineman back on top of your ace, that is, it's, it's terrorizing. You cannot p- 
perform as an offense. And another thing was this used to be Styles make fights. The Titans offense used to probably would have been a terrible mashup for these old Browns defenses. They're just going to pound the rock to Derrick Henry. He's going to run for two bills and that there's nothing you can do about it. Sorry, Miles Garrett. We're just going to run away from you 40 times in this game. They only had six first downs and they held him to 26 yards on 15 carries. He so had two. Where- Derrick Henry had two. It was two yards a carry. He had 11 carries for 20 yards in this game. That's where the help's coming from. Miles Garrett's the ace of ace. We know this. One of the best players in the league at any position. But now you get all these good players in a good scheme and an aggressive scheme. Oh, it just looks like this. This is just – it's an amazing unit to watch on all three downs. They are playing with such an absurd amount of confidence on the back end. It is something to behold. <laughs> They have a dance for every single DB combination and every single moment in the game, and I am loving like every team. second of it. That's awesome. That's great. Like a baseball team where they're just going through the line. You just got different handshakes for every guy. They they really do. I mean, every single time oh. that they, they make, there's a PBU on the back end, there is some sort of celebration, and it's been very cool to watch. So I'm really excited about what that group is going to look like over the course of the season. Oh, that's good. And like Mo Hurst is having some good moments. God, just like it, it's, they have so many. Alex so Wrights. I mean, it's Shelby yeah. Harris had another moment today. I mean, and even yeah. Greg Newsom didn't even Thomas play in this game today. Yeah. So you Donald get your arguably one of the best nickel corners in the league back at some point, and, and they could look even better. So another very impressive performance by what has now been the most impressive defense in the NFL through the first three weeks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIP. 
All right, let's get to a couple of the key coaching decisions from the NFL this week. You chose poorly. Yeah, I think a lot of people I that drop that that's a good one. <laughs> I think a lot of people would say that the guy we're about to talk about did choose poorly in the choice that he made late in this game. Brandon Staley decides to go for it on fourth and one from his own 24 yard line while up four with 151 left in the game. Vikings were out of timeouts. Josh Kelly lined up as a fullback on this play, gets a fullback handoff, gets stuffed for no yardage, and the Vikings get the ball back. Ultimately, the Chargers go on to win this game, but I feel like if they didn't, we'd be having a lot more discourse about that choice, and I still feel like there's going to be a lot of discussion about it here over the next 24 hours. How did you feel in the moment about the choice and about some of the details surrounding it? Okay, so it was such a very Chargers moment where it's two steps forward, three steps back. Like the, so, like the the third and eleven right before that, they did kind of like one of those Steelers moving screens, you know, where two receivers run vertical. Keenan Allen runs a little slant underneath. Antonio Brown used to make a living on it, and they get so I was I was like, great, they know they're going for it on fourth down. We're either making it fourth and manageable, or we almost get the first down. Okay, I understand. Okay, and they're being aggressive. Okay, Steelers. I mean, this is a loser leaves town match. This it certainly you're, you're, is. You're getting out to the top of the steel cage for this one. So I'm okay with this. So go for the flip, Jeff Hardy. Go like do it. Let's let's go for it. Now, getting to the play call, you have a six foot six, two hundred and forty, two hundred and thirty pound-ish quarterback. Oh, he, and you have he an, weighs more than that. <laughs> okay. An interior offensive line that you've invested in that you hope would be a strength against this Vikings defensive line, and you just and you do that. And that's the call you go for it. And they just, it's the, the Chargers galaxy brain. That, that is, that was that it in living color. But it's like, man, this game was just, did you expect this game to ever be normal? Like, there's no chance, zero chance. The 0. only thing 0. I said chance. when I was predicting this game or talking about this game, previewing it last week, is that it was going to be a close game that one of these teams lost in horrifying fashion. Boom. <laughs> Boom. One of these teams lost in horrifying that. fashion. That's exactly what happened. If you look at, there's no way it would be normal. Pretty much every single model that you want to look at, NGS, ESPN, whatever, favored going for it in that situation. You're giving the ball back to a Vikings team that has a very good offense. Your defense has been really bad, even if you've had some decent moments in that game. The other team has Justin Jefferson and a quarterback who's been playing pretty well over the course of the year. The last thing you want to do is give them the ball back and lose any agency in how this game gets decided with the best player that you have. The problem is, I would have run anything else. Even if it was a long one and the sneak might have been off the table, it just feels like there are better options in that situation than a fullback dive with the game on the line. Fullback dive to your backup running back. As opposed, I mean, and also the Vikings offense, though, like the addition of Addison has just been great. And like even with offensive line woes, it's just like watching Kirk Cousins cook right now has been really fun. Like he, I know the interception was brutal, but like this offense is – I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not like truly down on them. They've had like just, but they have some cool moments on offense. And this defense is just trying everything. This was, they blitzed the 82% second highest, of the time. Second highest on record uh, from next gen stats. And like, it's only because the, the first highest happened on Thursday. <laughs> uh, Thursday. Unbelievable stuff. Like Brian Flores was bringing it and 40 of 50 dropbacks. Just ridiculous. It, it was just a ridiculous day. 2.26 time to throw for Justin Herbert, but. He was just spinning it. He was absolutely. insane today. He was insane. absolutely insane. 
it, there it, whatever play you want to talk about the oh, yeah. cover zero vertical shot down the left sideline to Jordan Palmer where he backs up and buys himself just enough time to get that ball off 40 yards down the field the little teardrop he dropped into Keenan Allen down near the goal line on the right side on third Beauty. down which was an absolutely gorgeous throw the, the pocket movement, the accuracy, yep. everything about the way that he played today. I mean, the guy finished 40 of 47 for 405 yards. Yeah. He was incredible in this game. And it was not a lot of play action. They were just straight dropping back and winging it. It was like an it was like an air raid offense. It was 80% run pass split. They were in shotgun nearly every single snap. So they was just truly snap it back to him and go. Like make some plays and just he throw. Oh, this was the stat that stood out to me because it was. I mean, this is how the Chargers should be built. Because what are the usual woes we talked about this offense? Other than just unfortunate injuries, no matter what, tight ends and running backs, right? Especially when Eckler's down. Thirty-eight of his forty-seven pass attempts went to a receiver today. Easily the highest he's ever just targeted receiver receivers. This was the most passing first downs he's ever had in a game with twenty-one. He was just. <laughs> just throwing receivers. I'm telling you, it was like an air raid offense, just uh, stepping up in the pocket on third down, moving around the pocket, scrambling at the right time. He is. This was the best version of this guy. Yes. He got out of multiple plays where he should have been sacked. He just refuses to be sacked. That's what's remarkable. He got sacked one time in this game. They blitz 80% of the time. He got sacked one time. If, if you want to know why, like I get into the draft process, why I make QB size such a big deal uh, outside of just the obvious is watch Ritter, Desmond Ritter today and watch Justin Herbert today. Mm-hmm. Ritter doesn't have bad pocket movement. He actually has decent feel. He's so small and skinny that one gl- glazing blow on him, he gets stumbled and knocked down while Herbert runs out of it and actually makes a positive play. That's the difference. That's why I always bring up QB size. It's just those types of examples. He's completing 74.4% of his passes this year. Absurd. They are second in EPA per drive next to a historically good Miami Dolphins offense. He is second in EPA per drop back this season. Even if the sky is falling with the Chargers defense, and you can argue that it still kind of is, even though they were okay today. JC Jackson, who they gave an unbelievable amount of money in free agency two years ago, was a healthy scratch. Through two games, they were dead last in defensive DVOA, despite being number one by far in cap spending on defense. They're spending 48% of their cap on defense this year. The next highest team is at 40%. There's a bigger <laughs> gap between them and the team at number two than the team at number two and the team at 18. Aren't the Jags up there too? Yeah, because the Jags you know, are all free agents. Yes, but yeah, yeah. what they're spending on their defense and what they've gotten out over the first two games, you just can't win that way. Like People lose no. jobs because of that gap in resource allocation and performance. But he is so good. <laughs> and the offense has a chance to be so good that I think that their season could potentially stay afloat even if they can't stop anybody over the course of the year. I know. Every game is going to be so much fun. I can't wait because it's not only just like a passing offense. It's not dink and dunk. It's just everything, and it's awesome. And they're pushing the ball. It's just it's just I just want to clap like a seal like every time I watch them. It's just, yeah, there you go. Woo. There's another one. Like the, the two touchdown throws, the first two, like he changes arm angle. Now yeah. he's throwing submarine. And then the second one, he actually like – pinned it on the tight end like because he threw it so hard it was the la cross kind of throw it was, it was like it, he it just was like, like knocked him back it was like the i, I thought commercial. it was gonna get stuck in his face mask like little giants yeah. like that's yeah. how hard he threw that ball it, it was absolutely he threw it ridiculous. so hard and just watch sorry guys but it's just so cool like he there's a th- the third and 17 he scrambles throw back to keenan allen but then, then watching his arm strength and watching him work backwards in the pocket and still throw with like zip 
is remarkable. And like just he attacks all areas of the field. It, it was awesome. It was a great performance by him. Sorry. I could just gush about it all day. Keenan Allen had 18 like catches. Keenan Allen was also <laughs> unbelievable in this game. There's 50 um, first downs in this game. Over 50 first downs. It was, it was bonkers. Unfortunate news about Mike Williams, potentially. that He's going to have an MRI okay. on Monday, but losing yeah. him and getting deprived of the best version or the fullest version of this Chargers offense with the way that they're playing would absolutely suck. Derwin James got hurt in this game again. So even in a day where the Chargers potentially save their season and their quarterback yeah. looks like one of the best players in the league, still a Pyrrhic victory. That, that, that's how it works when you are the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers. Even the good things aren't always that good. And the cosmic ballet goes on. Real cosmic gumbo. That's what the Chargers are. One more coaching decision <laughs> worth digging into right now. Matt LaFleur deciding to go for it. Down 14. He goes for two. Packers are trailing 17-3. They score with 7.02 left. Matt LaFleur goes for the two-point conversion. They get it. They get the ball back. Drive down and score. All they need is an extra point. 18-17. Packers win. So an uneven day, to say the least, for Green Bay's offense. Definitely missing. I mean, when you're no Christian Watson, no Aaron Jones, no left side of their offensive line against a team playing as well as any defense in football, especially as well as any defense in the NFC, for sure, over the first three weeks after that Cowboys game today. Oh, man. Yeah, Saints defense just looks as advertised. I'm glad we broke them down because like now it was everything we have seen through the first two weeks and against that Packers offense that we think is at the very least decent. And I think it was really cool watching the Packers offense adjust throughout this game. They they started getting into the empty mm-hmm. and and the Saints were blitzing it. And one benefit of empty, and it's kind of a leaning into the punch moment or counterintuitive moment, is that yeah, you're only blocking with five. But you can really spread everybody out and see where blitzes are coming from, especially when you're using your cadence really well, like Jordan Love was today. And Alante Taylor had some success early on the blitz that they kept doing against Empty. So he was really showing it. Like he, he couldn't wait. And it's a classic like, okay, it's pretty obvious when the guy that's supposed to be filling your spot after you blitz is right behind you because you can, like neither of them could hide it because it's worked so well. So the Packers adjusted their protection out of that. And they – so Saints would blitz. They adjusted the protection to slide the other way. They picked up the blitz. They had gains of 30, 17, 11, and 30 in the second half. All those little inside fade routes that we saw in the second half, those were most of them were out of empty, and there's most of them where they're picking up a, a blitz. And so that was really cool to see a Packers offense adjust and Jordan Love adjust and calm down and settle down a little bit. And also you just see his running ability too. So it's it's not going to be pretty. scramble this- on that final drive. Like a game-changing scramble on yep. that final drive. And then the throw to Jaden Reed was gorgeous. A really, really pretty throw and catch. And then Dobbs goes up and makes a play and they, and they win the game and just enough plays by the defense. Obviously it helps that Derek Carr gets hurt. Jameis is playing for a good chunk of this game, but Rashawn Gary had three sacks. Two of them came on third down. The third one came on that final drive where they needed to stop. I think it was first and 14 because of a penalty. He gets a sack second and long, long. They don't get it. Give the ball back. Give yourself a chance. So Without a good chunk of the most important players on this team, Jair Alexander included, the Packers yeah. somehow pull this out, and you'll take it. Even if it's a little ugly, yeah. even if it wasn't your best day on offense, when you're playing a defense like that, however you yeah. can get it. And Matt LaFleur did everything he could to squeeze everything he could out of that opportunity by going for two. I know you're wrapping it up perfectly here, but I'm going to ruin it. So there, it's the the NFC is going to have so many coin flip games between like fighting for playoff spots. There's going to be a, there's a lot of nine win type teams in in the NFC. The Packers went for it on fourth down three times. 
and they went one for three when you just look at the box score. But it's that that aggressiveness and going for it on two is like what leads to the positive place. You have to create your chances. That's the difference between what the Raiders did tonight and and what the Packers are doing. So the like the first fourth down play should it was a gadget play. AJ Dillon misses the throw. Jordan Love it looks hilarious. So they don't get it. They should have had it. Second one, uh, the backup running backs like not expecting the ball when he's wide open outside. Mm-hmm. And then the third one's the Jordan Love touchdown when he goes in on the zone read. And that's where you see the positives of Jordan Love being a good athlete and a big athlete. The Saints had the perfect defense for that. They did a scrape exchange where the defensive end runs down and knocks out the running back. And then the linebacker, Demario Davis, is supposed to come over the top. Love beats him. So, but again, they're creating their own positive. They're creating their own chances. So it's very encouraging to see a young Packers team already doing that. When we see teams with vets all over the place going like, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to play scared. Even the two pointer to Toure, he extends that play. Yep. He he makes yep. that play by extending it in the pocket. So his legs and his ability to do that with the athleticism has shown up pretty consistently over the first three weeks. So real big win for the for the Packers. Three sacks for Rashawn Gary too. Yeah, three sacks, two of them on third down. I mean, they came Patrick. up big on third down. The Saints were really bad on third down today, but the I think they're four. The Saints were four fourteen on third down, but the Packers were making yeah. plays in those moments, including those two Rashawn Gary sacks. All right, we're gonna hit one. Sliding doors moment, and then we're going to get out of here. The um, sliding glass door shattered. (laughs) Late in the Ravens-Colts game, fourth and three in overtime. Pretty blatant missed pass interference on Zay Flowers that if it were called, the Ravens would have won this game. And this yeah. game was full of those little sliding doors moments in the end of regulation and overtime. Felt like nobody wanted to win this game, but ultimately, Matt Gay, the hero Matt Gay, kicking four fifty-yard field goals, and the Indianapolis Colts pulled this game out over the Ravens. Yeah, this the the game looked like the weather. Like that's that's how this game really felt. Feels like Baltimore has so many of those games where it's just so dreary. And it's I mean, just, a Buffalo but, game and, last year. It was last year, right? Yeah, where it was in like yeah. a sideways rainstorm. The, the 49ers uh, played there a couple of years ago too. And that, that was a monsoon too. But yeah, just, uh, but it's just, again, with first off, just with the Ravens, it's like, again, positives, seeing Lamar using his legs and being so like the upside of that still like, oh yeah, Lamar can do this. Like he counted for 15 of their 21st downs with his arm or legs today. That's what but I was ready s- to talk about if they had ended up winning and this game had gone yeah. differently. It was them being able to win a game differently than they did last week. He won from the pocket last week. He was incredible. Yeah, was great. And today he was winning with his legs consistently. That was the best thing that they had going for them offensively. Unfortunately, that's not the framing that you can bring to us no, anymore. I can't. And then you remember Kenyon Drake is getting touches. And if you want to know why Kenyon Drake can never stick with the team, watch that big play where he fumbles on. That is exactly Kenyon Drake's entire career. And it's like, that's oh, the maddening Ravens when they have all these injury woes. And it's just that sense of just incompleteness that ends up with all these games, even when you do feel like they play pretty well on both sides of the ball. So many tiny little mistakes today. That Kenyon Drake fumble, Lamar fumbles uh, deep in their own territory in the first half. There's a third and five snap that goes through Lamar's legs. There's a drop by Isaiah likely at the end of the game that if he catches that ball, there's a chance the Ravens win. So all the credit to uh, Colts defense that slowed down a Ravens offense that was playing excellent. They make just enough plays offensively. Michael Pittman catch at the end is a huge moment. But I'm not coming away from this game feeling overly concerned about what the outlook is for Baltimore. Nope. I, I think the Colts have been very feisty this year. Their de- defense has done some nice things. And like Samson Ebicam looks just like amazing 
Like he looks fantastic. God, you got the you get that 49ers bump and you just all of a sudden it's just you're good, man. Uh but it, it's also the the Ravens defense as well. It's like they they were doing some nice stuff with the blitz over and over and over again. Kyle Hamilton finished with three Huge sacks. Game for Kyle Hamilton. Oh yeah. Oh it's the same blitz. They just kept bringing this cover zero blitz over and over. But then you got to see, you know. This is a good offensive play caller for the Colts. This is Mr. Occam's razor. I'm just going to run receiver screens. And so you saw Pittman get a couple of those and it was like, man, he's good. This guy's good. <laughs> he's going to be a good one, guys. But on top of it, you got Zach Moss dunking on Patrick Queen. And it's, it's, it's when that, that, happens, it was that sort like, of game. Not really my day today, guys, but it's a long season. I, I'm positive about both teams, even with some kind of blemishes that they've shown both so, so far. Colts are in first place, baby. As we well, all those first place Indianapolis Colts. This was always going to be a gravy year. Whatever happened was going to be a benefit. It was all about Richardson and finding out who your building blocks are. But I think through three weeks, we can be very encouraged by what the Shane Steichen Colts look like. And when they get the guy back who has been fantastic every single time he's been on the field, I, I think that we're going to be really intrigued and encouraged by what this Colts team is. These AFC South quarterbacks are going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm very, very excited. Sorry, Gardner, not including you there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That is all we've got. Appreciate you guys for listening. We will be back all week, Monday into Tuesday. If you have not checked out our new show, Zach Kiefer talking to our beat writers for three games that we did not hit. That's coming your way on Tuesday. Three games. We got Zach Jackson, our Browns writer, talking about that game. Daniel Popper our Chargers writer, and James Boyd, who covers the Colts for us. So be on the lookout for that. Really have enjoyed those shows so far. Zach is doing a fantastic job. We'll have our normal programming coming to you throughout the rest of the week. For now, that's all we've got. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.